Sammy, appreciate that. I don't know if all of you know this or not, but Sammy is part of this church as a result of Vacation Bible School. Boy, I'm telling you what. Thank the Lord for Sammy. Last night I was working on my laptop and a little warning came up and said my memory was full. I wasn't going to be able to save anything else. And I about panicked. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to save tomorrow's sermon. But uh, anyway, I started going through some old pictures and stuff to see what I could delete and clear up some space. I came across a picture of a group singing here on the stage. It's actually a little short, uh, few second long video. And standing right over here, about, about, about right here, was Sammy. And he was about a third as tall as he is now. And he was singing his heart out. I'm telling you, uh, isn't it great to see young people get to know the Lord, grow up in the house of God, give their life to serving God? I'm telling you what, it just excites me. I'm telling you. I don't know what it is, but all week long I've been laboring for the Lord and I've been doing a lot of praying that my efforts for the Lord will work. And I'm just wound up this morning. <laughs> Y'all just, uh, y'all get on board or, or go to sleep, one or the other. So, amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number four this morning. Matthew chapter number four. Brother Danny got up to teach Sunday school this morning, and he said he'd been there at the ocean all week, and uh, that he was going to teach on, you know, some thoughts he had had while he was there. He said, turn to the book of Matthew, and at that point, Brother Danny, I panicked. I'm like, uh-oh, we got the same message, but uh, he went a chapter or two further than I did. So, uh, uh, boy, I tell you what, a great, great lesson by Brother Danny this morning on living the salt life, living the salt life. And uh, Miss Melissa, we're going to have to make up some T-shirts, living the salt life. So, you know, get your artistic skills out there. Boy, good lesson this morning, but... Uh, this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter number four, and we're going to be looking at the statement that Jesus made when he called four of his disciples to follow him. And he made this statement, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Here at Marlbrook, Vacation Bible School is one of, if not our largest evangelistic outreach. Now, if you go to other churches, Vacation Bible School, I'm not criticizing them at all, but oftentimes you'll find that those Vacation Bible Schools are more geared to, uh, to minister to the children in the church, and they are uh, just to help advance the children's Bible understanding and those type of things, and wonderful, wonderful opportunity to do that, and that's the type of Vacation Bible Schools that I grew up in uh, was that idea, you know, and... Um, but here at uh, Vacation Bible, here at Marlbrook, our Vacation Bible School, uh, the Lord has blessed it and He's developed it to become an evangelistic outreach. And boy, I'm telling you, God has used Vacation Bible School many times as an evangelistic outreach. And so, um, can you cut me down just a little bit, Tanner? I'm echoing bad, brother. I'm trying to ignore it, but it's just, it, it's distracting me. I appreciate that. Uh, so anyway, the Lord has blessed uh, Vacation Bible School here to be evangelistic, and he's developed it, he's grown it, uh, and he's used it as a way to get the gospel into our community. And because of this, as we start to prepare for VBS and as we worked all last week, uh, our minds are turned toward our calling as Christians uh, to reach the lost with the 
gospel, as we go to the carnival over here and we hand out the flyers, as we go to the carnival of South River and we hand out the flyers, we hand out the flyers and the, the parades and each thing that we do, our mind is focused on the fact that God has, uh, he has called us to share the gospel. So uh, considering that thought, I would like to bring a message this morning that I believe both reminds us uh, of our calling but also demonstrates uh, how we get to the place uh, where we can fulfill that calling uh, of taking the gospel uh, to the world. Here in Matthew chapter number 4 and in verse number 18, uh, uh, we see that the Bible says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Here in each of the Gospels, in this Gospel and in each of the Gospels, uh, we have an account of Jesus calling these men uh, from their fishing nets uh, to a life uh, of fishing for men. Jesus excelled as we've been looking on many Sunday mornings at the parables of Christ. We see how that Jesus excelled in using common everyday things to illustrate uh, spiritual truth. These men were fishermen uh, and so Jesus knew that they would readily uh, understand the application that he was making when he said to them, Come and I will make you fishers of men. He was letting them know that he was going to take them and use them to do in a spiritual sense what they had previously done in a temporal sense. Prior to their calling, they had spent every day there on the water. Prior to Jesus calling them, they got up in the morning, they went out to the water, they got on their boat, they got their nets. They threw the nets in the water and they pulled their nets on the boat. They threw their nets in the water. They pulled their nets onto the boat. All day they would do this until the evening when they would come into shore. They would clean their nets of all the seaweed and all the sticks and all the things that got in their nets and they'd hang them out to dry. They'd go home and fall asleep tired after a day's work and the next morning they would throw their nets in and they would draw them in all day long. Now we know from other accounts in the Word of God that some days they were successful and they caught fish and they would take these fish. Of course, they would supply the food for their family. They would sell these fish in the market. It was their livelihood. This is how they made a living. And some days they would be profitable and they would catch a lot of fish. We also know that there would be times when they would toil all day, they would toil all night. And when they came into shore to clean their nets, they wouldn't have a single fish to show for their efforts. Sometimes they were successful. Sometimes they were not. But yet every morning they got out of bed, they got back in the boat, they got their nets and they went out to sea to throw the nets in the water and see what they could catch. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When he said that statement, they began to think of what being a fisherman consisted of and they realized that Jesus was calling them to do for him what they had previously done for themselves. We look here in this passage of Scripture and Jesus is saying, follow me, and I will teach you to pursue men with the same dedication and the same fervor which you have pursued the fish of the sea. I will make you 
fishers of men. Many subjects, many messages have been preached on this subject, but this morning my focus is on that phrase. And before the Lord brought me to this passage to prepare this message, I'd never really seen the phrase the way that I see it this morning, the way I'm going to share it with you. But I want to draw our attention to the phrase that Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. And that'll be our attention this morning. Let's pray and then we'll get into the message. Father, it's good to be in your house. Lord, I thank you how you've blessed us all through the week. Lord, I thank you. Uh, Lord, how you've taken our efforts and our ideas. And Lord, you have put your hand upon them. And Lord, you've, you've brought it together. And Lord, you've helped us prepare, Lord, for this opportunity. That Lord, for a solid week, uh, Lord, we can give ourselves uh, to, the, to the duty of sharing the gospel, uh, Lord, with the young people. And, and Lord, hopefully the families of our community. Uh, Lord, that they might know the hope uh, of the gospel, Lord. Lord, that they might realize that they can turn to you, that they will find out that there is a salvation, there is a hope for tomorrow, there is a help, there is a strength, there is someone to lean on. And Father, I pray that you will help us, Lord, to be able to proclaim the gospel. Now, Lord, as we look into your word this morning, and Lord, we look at this subject of you making us fishers of men. Father, I pray, Lord, that it will speak to our hearts. I pray, dear Lord, it will be applicable. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll take uh, uh, my feeble efforts, uh, uh, Lord, my unworthiness. And Father, Lord, that you will use it and speak through it. Uh, and Lord, that you in your spirit will communicate to the hearts of the people. Uh, and Lord, that we will endeavor to be Christians uh, who are fishers of men, uh, who give ourselves uh, to spreading the gospel, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Bless us during this service. Bless in the children's ministry downstairs. Bless in all that's done. And Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in this phrase, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I want to point out three things this morning. We'll try to move along quickly. We're getting started a little bit late. So we'll try to move along quickly. But three things I want to point out to you this morning. In this phrase, I see his calling, his instruction, and his promise. And we'll look at each of these uh, briefly. The first thing we see in this phrase uh, is uh, his calling. The calling uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the first two words that we see in the phrase, uh, the words, follow me. On this day, the lives of four men were interrupted when a man called Jesus stepped upon the shore and invited them to step away from the norm and spend their life following him up until this moment uh, they had spent their life in much the same way uh, as anyone else they had families, they had careers uh, they had hard times and they had good times uh, but on this day Jesus invited them uh, to step away uh, from the life that they knew uh, and give their life to following him. Now if we go to the book of John chapter number 1, I believe it's verse number 37, uh, we will find uh, that it's very likely uh, that Andrew and Peter uh, had met Jesus prior to this. Andrew had heard Jesus speak. He was one of John the Baptist's disciples. He had heard Jesus speak. He went and found his brother Peter. He said, we found the Messiah. Come and see him. And so Peter had came and seen. And so they had met Jesus. They had heard his teaching, but they were still going out. They were still throwing their nets in the water. They were still fishing. 
her fish uh, and Jesus shows up on the bank that morning uh, and he says, I've got something for you. Uh, I'm going to invite you uh, to leave the nets uh, and come uh, follow me. Uh, this day something happened that had never happened before. Uh, they encountered an invitation uh, to turn from this life of this world and give their life wholly uh, to uh, their creator. Uh, since the beginning of time, God has been extending this invitation to all of mankind. Since the beginning of time, Jesus has been saying, come, follow me. He has been extending his outstretched arms to those lost in sin, to those who have lived a life of, of, de of destruction. And he stretches out his arm and he says, come, follow me. He's been extending this invitation to all who will listen to men and to women and to all to follow him, to walk with him, to learn of him, to be blessed by him. Come, follow me. He's called out and he's called out and he's called out. If you're here this morning, he has given that call to you. He has invited you to come and follow him. He invites all to come follow him. Some heed his call, such as the men here by the seashore. Many heed the call, but there are some who ignore his call, such as the rich young ruler who had became so enamored with the pleasure of temporal things that although he knew Jesus, he had heard the teaching of Jesus, he was interested in the things of Jesus. Whenever it came to this invitation to give up the pleasures of this temporal life for a life of following the Lord Jesus Christ, the rich young ruler was grieved and went away because he recognized that he couldn't have both Jesus and the world. And so he said, I'll choose the world over Jesus. And I'm sad to say this morning, there are thousands upon thousands upon millions of people who are going to spend eternity in hell because they have chosen the world over the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet he stands and he says, follow me, follow me, follow me. The invitation goes out each and every day to all come follow me. Secondly, I want to draw your attention to his instruction. First we see his call, follow me. But second we see his instruction. And we find it in the same two words, follow me. First, there's an invitation. Will you leave that life and come to me? But there's also an instruction. What do I do, Lord? Now that I've left this life behind, now that I've chosen to no longer pursue the things of the world, now that I've determined that I'm going to give my life to you, what do I do? How do I know what to do? How do I know where to go? How do I know what's right and what's wrong? How do I know how to treat other people? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? He gives us an instruction in the same words when he says, follow me. First, we see the calling. Second, we see the instruction. We see here in this passage uh, that following Jesus uh, is more than a mental acknowledgement uh, of his existence. Boy, I'm telling you what, uh, there have been too many people who have cheapened the gospel uh, to make it nothing more than mentally assenting that we believe that Jesus was a real person. Uh, following Jesus is far more uh, than a mental acknowledgement uh, of his existence. Uh, following Jesus uh, is 
patterning my life after him. We see here that this is far more than just recognizing that he was a real person. It is more than listening to his teaching. Following Jesus involves a life change. I believe that some folks have taken 2 Corinthians 5.17 and ripped it out of their Bible because the Bible says there, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let me tell you, if you believe that you may have trusted Christ, but you still run with the world, you still follow after wickedness, you still give yourself to the things of the devil, there is no changing your life, there is no chastisement, there is no remorse. I want to tell you, old things have not passed away. You have not become new. Now, I'm not at all saying this morning that the moment you get saved, you'll stand up from that altar completely perfect and all your bad habits gone away. No, you will still have this flesh that you have to deal with. But let me tell you what, there'll be a Holy Spirit moved on the inside of you who will begin pointing out areas that you need to improve, areas that you need to change, and areas where you need to grow. And He will work in your heart and He will begin a work of sanctification. And you will know without a shadow of a doubt that you are not the same that you used to be. He first gives a call, follow me. He second uh, gives an instruction, uh, follow me. In Ephesians chapter number four, Paul writes to us concerning what this change looks like. In Ephesians four and verse number 22, he says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That is me before I knew Christ. Verse 23, he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now he begins to get real, real practical. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. You know what? There's a lot of folks nowadays claiming to be Christians who say that as preachers we ought not name sin. That we ought to preach against sin in generalities and allow folks to apply it to their life where they know that they need to grow. I have a problem with that because the Bible names sin. Therefore, if I'm going to be a minister of the gospel, I've got to speak the way the Word speaks. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. I'm telling you what, we could preach for a week on that verse right there. I believe one of the reasons that we're not effective anymore as Christians is because we give too much place to the devil. You know, we, I was thinking this morning, Brother Speck was teaching, I don't remember exactly what part of his message had me thinking about this. Brother Speck was saying something about we used, to, we used to preach on these things, but we don't hear it like we used to. You know what I think the problem is? Brother Ted, I might have a sin problem. And it might be different than your sin problem. And I'm not saying that I've seen anything in your life, but it might be different than your sin problem. But I hesitate to preach against your sin because I know if I preach against his sin, I've got to deal with my own sin. Whenever you find folks that won't address sin, whether it be in their home or in their life, 
or in dealing with others, you will find that the reason is they are defending a sin in their own life. There's some things in their own life that they don't want to get rid of, they don't want to get over, they don't want to repent of. Therefore, they're not going to say anything about your sin either. And we'll just get all along like a bunch of happy Christians. You do your sin and I'll do my sin and we won't say anything about each other's sin and we'll all get along just fine. Well, let me tell you, if you want to see the holiness of God come onto a place and you want to see the power of God in reaching a community, we need to learn to deal with our sin. Neither give place to the devil and we're all flesh and the devil is on our case, each and every one of us, each and every day. He knows where we're weak and he's on our case and he's trying to wear us down. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. Rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. You good there, sweetheart? She'll be good shortly. <laughs> it says there, and be ye kind one to another. Be kind, Aiden. <laughs> Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God's for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The call to follow Christ is a call to mimic Him. It is a call that I might be like him. It's a call to pattern myself after him, to be like him in my words, in my actions, in my lifestyle, to be different than I was before. Jesus said to these fishermen, he said, follow me as an invitation. Jesus said to the fishermen, follow me as a call to mimic him in their life. We see an invitation and we see an instruction. We look at these disciples and we read in the passage, they left their careers, they left their father, they left their abilities, the things that they trusted in and knew how to do. They left them behind and they gave themselves to the pursuit of knowing Christ. Apostle Paul said, oh, that I may know him. Let me tell you, Christian, there is no greater pursuit for you than to know the Savior. Oh, that I may know him. You want to have a heart for reaching souls. I'm getting a little ahead of myself right here. You want to have a heart for reaching souls. Learn to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said that he looked at Jerusalem and the people were as sheep not having a shepherd. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know where to look for their salvation. And the Bible says that he wept as he looked at the city of Jerusalem and groaned within himself that they had no direction. Oh, that we would know him. I tell you what, if you get to know Jesus, instead of being irritated and aggravated and frustrated at the things that's going on in this life, your heart will break and you will long to share the gospel that they might find freedom, that they might find deliverance, that they might find hope, all oh, that I might know him. 
Following him is knowing him. Throughout the Gospels, we encounter many who followed Jesus. Many followed him to see his miracles. Many were intrigued by his teaching. Many desired to benefit from his supernatural power, but we find that many of those, when things got tough, they left. Jesus said, I'm calling you to follow me, not just to hear my teaching and see my miracles. I'm calling you to be like me. We all know this, but we tend to forget it. The word Christian means Christ-like. The word Christian is not a title that we hang on ourselves so that everyone knows we're of the religious sort and go to church on Sunday. No, the title Christian means I behave as Christ would behave. I do my best to act the same way that Jesus would act. I do my best to be like Him. The words follow me is a calling. It's an invitation to all who will hear. But it is also an instruction concerning the changes we must make in our own life. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4, he said, Thou, therefore, speaking to Christians, Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This new religion that teaches that Christianity is an easy road full of blessings and never any trials, never any hardships, or never any heartaches has never read this Bible. Thou therefore, my son, endure hardness as a good soldier. We are in a warfare. We are in a battle. Uh, we, are, we are facing the enemy. He said in Ephesians 6 and verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Back in 2 Timothy chapter number 2 verse 4, he said, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath called him to be a soldier. I'm telling you what, I believe we've lost our effectiveness as witnesses and as light in the world because we have become so entangled with the affairs of this temporal life. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. First, there's an invitation. Second, there's an instruction. And then thirdly, this morning, we see his promise. Follow me. What happens if I follow him? And I will make you fishers of men. But Ted, I'd never seen it quite like that before. It almost when I'd read it before was as if this was automatic. You know, if you accept Christ, then you, you become a fisher of men. But as I looked at this passage, he said, you follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Well, we have a lot of excuses, don't we? That's just not my thing. That's just, I'm not comfortable doing that. It's just awkward for me to share the gospel. It's just, you know, I just... He said, if you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. You know, if you're driving down the highway, maybe you've never been trained as an EMT or first aid. You're driving down the highway. This experience happened to me one time. I was with my dad. This pickup truck in front of us. It's coming down Route 5 towards Creston, West Virginia. Pickup truck in front of us hit loose gravel on the road and went to doing some donuts. Did two or three donuts in the road and then went down over an embankment towards the river. And down right next to the river, it hit a tree. And psh, smoke flew out of the front of the truck. 
No sooner did was smoke flying out of the front of that truck than my dad was out of his truck and I was out of my side and we were running down the hill as hard as we could go, jerking the door open, getting that gentleman out of the truck. We'd never been trained in first aid. We didn't know anything that, we, that, that had told us what we were supposed to do in this situation, but we saw someone in need. We jerked the door open on that truck. Hey, buddy, are you okay? Are you hurt? Where is anything broke? Do you feel okay? And he was just all dazed. His head had hit the windshield, and he said, I think, I think I'm okay. We're like, well, this truck's in trouble. We've got to get you out of here. We laid him back on our arms, and we eased him out and got him on the ground, and he was able, he chested his legs, and he was able to stand, and we helped him walk a good distance away from the truck. Never been trained. But we saw someone in need. And because we seen someone in need, we responded to what needed to be done. Now, we could have drove on by and said, well, I hope the fire department gets here in time. I'm not trained how to help this gentleman. We could have said, wow, that's, that's really bad. Let's call 911. Let's get the pastor out here to help him. Let's do what we can to fix this situation, but I'm not qualified. But you see, something overrode that. We were motivated by the need of this individual. And I know that there is precautions you need to take and there are times when you do need to call the professionals in and I'm not taking away from that at all. I'm making the illustration though that if you follow Christ, if you follow Christ, if you learn the love that God has for the soul's of men, if you link yourself to him and you begin to fully grasp the fact that the reason Christ came to this earth was to save sinners. The reason he left glory, it wasn't to plant a church, it wasn't to give us nice pews, it wasn't to give us monetary blessings. The reason he came to this earth was to deliver men from sin and we get close to him and we begin to understand that. We follow him and we begin to grasp that and we look out at mankind. It changes our perspective and no longer is it a fact of I'm not qualified, I'm not trained, I don't know how, I'm uncomfortable. Instead, we are driven by the fact that souls are dying and going to hell and we're going to do everything in our power to bring them to Christ. He said, if you follow me, it will make you a fisher of man. You won't be able to help it. You'll be driven. You'll be motivated. You will have a desire in your heart to see men and women come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe with all of my heart that the reason many Christians aren't motivated to see souls come to Christ is that they're not following Him. They responded to the invitation, but they failed to follow the instruction. We're so taken with everything that goes on around us. Brother Sammy Allen, great man of God. Some of you may have heard of Brother Sammy Allen. He went to be with the Lord just this past year, I believe it was. Brother Sammy Allen was up in years and his health was failing to where he couldn't get out and go and preach like he used to. But his daily schedule was this. He woke up at four in the morning. I do not compare to this man at all in any way. He woke up at four in the morning and he prayed from four to 8.30 every day of his life. Four to 8.30. 
At 8.30, he got his Bible out. And he read from 8.30 to 12.30 every day of his life. And at 12.30, he started his day and he would go out on visitation and he would go counsel Christians that needed help and he would prepare his messages. And I'm telling you what, you've never heard a man so in connection with God as Brother Sammy Allen was. He couldn't hardly walk in the room without you feeling the Spirit of God upon him. Now, I dare say Brother Sammy probably didn't know a lot about current events. He probably wasn't really up to date on what was going on in the world around him. But I know one thing he did know. He knew Jesus. And if you were wanting to find your way to Jesus, he could show you that. You know, the problem is we've got so caught up in temporal things that we failed to get to know Jesus. And we look at all the wickedness and instead of our hearts being broken and being motivated to get the gospel to the world, we just are irritated and talk bad and run our mouths about people who need the Savior. Jesus said to those disciples, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. This morning I ask you, are you a fisher of men? Are you following Jesus to the extent that you're falling in love with the lost, reaching the lost? Does the world break your heart or are you unmoved? Are you a fisherman? I'm going to ask each of you to stand there where you are. The other day we had an outreach seminar and in that seminar we looked at ways and methods that we could be better winning people to Christ. Oftentimes I preach messages such as the one I've just preached that encourage us to go win the lost. But I have to tell you this morning that outreach seminars and sermons aren't going to do anything to bring you to a place where you go after the lost if you're not a follower of Christ. Follow me. This is the key. Follow me. As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you come.
Thank you for being here. I pray the Lord uses that to speak to our heart and that we'll get serious about knowing him, following him, and living as Christians. Don't forget your T-shirts are downstairs. Miss Melissa will be slipping down there as soon as we dismiss and uh, getting those T-shirts for you. Slip on down there, get your T-shirts. I'll be doing some final setup at around 2.30. If you're able to come out and help us, uh, we could use a couple extra hands uh, doing some of this. So if you're available, we'd love your help. If you're unable to come, we do understand. Uh, but if you are working Vacation Bible School, do your best to be here by 6 as kids will be starting to arrive and we can get folks in place and get started. If you have any questions, feel free to call text to get a hold of me however you can. Looking forward for the Lord to bring a great work. Pray, pray, pray. If you can't do anything else, pray. Pray for the teachers, pray for the workers, pray for me as I'll be sharing the gospel each night. Pray that souls are safe. Pray that the Lord blesses. Brother Greg, will you dismiss us from the service?